When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming up on today's episode, we make our line combination predictions up front on the back end, heading into training camp, plus the Babcock fiasco in Columbus. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it during training camp week. We can officially call it that as the Winnipeg Jets. If they're not all here, they'll be trickling in over the next couple of days. And my least favorite part of the start of the season, weigh-ins and physicals, is just... (laughs) Hours away, oh man, that's uh, PTSD is kicking in, please, no more, no more beep test, no more beep test. Uh, I'm sure they'll do a little bit better than I did Uh, (laughs) back then and right now, Um, but it's it's finally here. Action is finally on the doorstep here in Winnipeg as Jets hockey will kind of unofficially kick off in just a few days time and we're excited to get into it. And uh, talking a little line combinations. No more Mount Rushmore. This is actual hockey talk that we're getting into now. So always exciting stuff. And to help me do so once again, CJOB's Tyson Verwicky with us. How we doing, big dog? Doing good. And you know what? Let's let's get the elephant out of the room. Let's just address that right away. And that if you're an NHL coach and you're involved in my bold predictions. <laughs> for the 2020 for this for any season you gotta watch out <laughs> you might and as I, well just pack your bags I, I did not expect it to be that quick but i just want to say like columbus mike that fuck i called it for those yeah now for those that are unaware tyson is the unofficial kiss of death to coaches <laughs> one i mean like and wildly multiple years in a row that he's correctly guessed the first coach to be fired in a season but if you missed our bold prediction episode where we do a bold prediction for every single team, Tyson actually freaking called Mike Babcock getting fired this season by Columbus. I think two days after the episode came out, that was when like the biz, the Paul Bissonnette tweet got released. And in a matter of days, it became official. And we'll talk about that later on in the episode. But you're right. I, I just, I can't believe it. It's I couldn't believe it when you sent me that text, like, oh, I might be right. And then, like, you're actually right two days later. So we, we can officially confirm that we hit on at least one of our predictions this year. We're, one, we're, we're hitting at 100% rate. It can't be any better than that. I love it. Fortunately, fortunately, we don't have to worry about that kind of conversations here in Winnipeg. Instead, it's going to be line combos and things like that, as well as trade talk basically all season long. 
Uh, and we'll get into all that in just a sec. But I, I'm also glad, Tyson, you didn't mention the fact that your fantasy football team is currently taking me to the woodshed right now. <laughs> I've, I've, I think I've officially, I'm already out on my, my fantasy team. Like, the season's over. You've I, suffered, like, I, you've suffered some pretty brutal luck to start. Yeah. This already. yeah. <laughs> a couple of kill, uh, Achilles tendons might have ruined my team before the year got started. I'm usually like a top five team every year, but I'm just going to, I'm cutting my losses already. So we don't have to get into that. Um, do have a little bit of trivia to throw your way in just a sec as well. But because we are skates and plates, I just thought we'd give a quick shout out on the plate side of things. Um, because the fam got together for dinner last night. And anybody that's a fan of Chinese food, which I imagine would be everyone. <laughs> like, I just can't, I can't imagine. Like, it, it's, it's just so perfect in every way. Um, but one of our family faves, and if you're in the North Kildonan area, make sure you, you hit up Toy Sun. Toy, Toy Sun delivered. And um, the Szechuan shrimp is by far there. I mean, they've, they're, they're great all around. The Szechuan shrimp's the best. Uh, but Toy, Toy Sun came to play. That was that was a no joke performance by Toy Sun last night. Um, I'm a big I'm a big honey garlic veal kind of guy from Toy Sun. That's that's if you a, get those a, two, yeah. If you get those two, you're gonna be you're gonna be having yourself a good night. I mean, I like the, it's. I'm always gonna go Empress of China, like for my number, like just nostalgia. Like I, it's it was like my childhood, and like oh, oh, it's just the best. But like I mean, to have like the two heavyweights side by side there in North Kildonan. You can't go wrong with either one of them, but if you're looking for a Chinese food spot to hit up, Empress or Toy Sun, you'll be uh, you'll be doing yourself a favor. So you can thank us later. But just wanted to give them a shout out. Uh, since we're doing some plates, shout quick shout outs. Let's just do a super quick best burger you had from Burger Week. <sighs> I haven't checked. I I'll check out the. Um... If there was the voting and what the results might be for that, uh, so I'll, we'll we'll get to that later in the episode. There was a ton of good ones. I think the one that stood out to me, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna give a nod to James Avenue Pump House. Well, interesting. I I don't know. I can't remember what it was called, but it had a crab cake in it, and you don't need to sell me anymore. You got a crab cake in it. Yep, you win. <laughs> I think it was the Krabby Batty. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I would I would shout out actually I had the Merchant Kitchens it was like a Malibu Barbie burger, pink, oh. pink bun, blue saffron, some kind of saffron sauce. It was it was not what I was expecting, but very very good and super different. Like I like like it's you know like take a chance right like don't let's let's not just do a nice normal burger like be out there. And it was it was yeah it was super it was super good. So that's that, that's my pick. Good job to everybody that, I mean, if you're a restaurateur for surviving, you survived Burger Week. Yeah. Congrats. Good job there. Uh, some of the top five, it looks like here. Um, Brazen Hall, unsurprisingly, once again, they, they usually find themselves in the conversation. And uh, PVG Street Eats. I think that's part of Barnhammer Brewing. It's part of like a brew, one of the breweries here in the city. They they I had I didn't get theirs this year, but I had one of theirs a few years ago, and it's yeah, they they know how to cook. <laughs> they know how to cook over there, so you can't go wrong with too many of their items there. Um, but yeah, Burger Week's in the books. I like to. I think Veg Veg Fest is starting up now, or something like that. Perfect timing. That, that, that's that's that might not be a bad idea. I could go for a salad, potato salad. That is all right. Trivia, Tyson. 
You did pretty good last week, I will say. Um, I forget what the category was. Captains. Captains. You know your captains. Do you know your Selkie trophy? Patrice. Oh, wait. Hold on. No, no need for <laughs> trivia. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Bergeron Ganey Carbono. You just won. <laughs> Uh, so I just got a couple of ones here because I was doing a quiz here on it was top five Selkie voting. So I thought I just thought I'd throw a couple your way here to start things off. I, I was going to do opening night rosters for the Winnipeg Jets, but we'll save that for just before game one of the season. So we'll do Selkie trophy top five voting here. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Let's start you off with uh, I think an easy one. Who is the only winger? In the last 20 years to win the Selkie Trophy. Yuri Lettinen. He got three of those bad boys. A very, I mean. Underrated. He's He is very underrated. But what I was going to say was, and I know he lives in the Bergeron era, but it's kind of wild that Mark Stone hasn't won a Selkie. Yeah. He's faced some stiff competition, but I don't know, man. That just feels a. Uh... It's too bad it's not the Norris because he'd get one next year for a lifetime achievement award. But uh, I, I, I think Stone, I think Stone's been due a, a Selkie award win. Um, and I, I, I wonder if he'll ever get one now. I don't know. He'll take the Stanley Cup, though. I'll tell you that, Tice. That's, this is true. Speaking of that, can you name the only Selkie award winner outside of Barkov a couple years ago? But the only Selkie Award winner going back 30 years that has not won the Stanley Cup. There's only one in the last 30. So, like, there's only one player in the last 30 years that's won the Selkie and hasn't won the Stanley Cup? Bingo. Wow. 30 years ago. Can I get a team? Um, Gilmore. It's a good guess. Gilmore wanted in '92, but he did win the Stanley Cup with Calgary. Right. Um, Mike Pekka. Oh wow! Yeah, Mike Pekka won a couple times, but it's pretty wild. Like, I mean, I don't know off the top of my head if Dirk Graham won the Stanley Cup or not. Um, but he won it in 1990. But other than that, these guys all win. <laughs> I made the point before, like. You have a Selkie winner on your team, and, and Barkov was only a couple wins away this past spring. Like your your team's probably going to be po- poised for a uh, for a pretty lengthy playoff run. So maybe get one of those if you can. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. Winnipeg Jets. One more for you here, Tyson. I have no faith you'll get this. It's and this is such a random one, but Ryan Kessler won the Selkie in 2010-2011. Can you name? The other Vancouver Canuck who finished top five Selkie voting that year. 2011. And it's not a city, and I'll just give you that hint. Is it uh, Manny Malholtra? Well, well, well. Tyson <laughs> does know his Selkies. Yeah. <laughs> Manny Malholtra is a really good one. And another kind of deep cut Selkie one, Jay McClement. In the lockout, in the lockout shortened season, did he? I'm pretty sure he made the top five. You know what, Tyson? You're right. Jay McClemon is such a deep cut that he never made it in the top five Selkie voting. Oh, are you sure? <laughs> I, I could have sworn he, he must have been close, though. We'll say we'll, we'll say we'll say he finished sixth. 
How about that? <laughs> I just remember people going insane about his face-offs that year. It was like, yeah. it was, he does everything. He Him and Yannick Perot. Yannick Perot won every face-off, too. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, move on to some Winnipeg Jets talk here because we got a little bit to get into. Um, and, and really, everybody's favorite topic, I think, because everybody has an opinion and everybody thinks their way is the best way and your way is the highway. But line combinations. This is our first look at, I mean, realistically, what the team's going to look like game one and heading into the season, barring some out-of-left-field move that none of us see coming. Um, but the moves have been made. The deals have been signed. This is likely the Winnipeg Jets team that hits the ice in game one this year. Um, so let's get into it. And let's start with the forward core, Tyson. Um, I guess, first off, are there any surprise? I, I, we should pre- maybe preface this by saying that now, is your lineup what you think is going to happen or what you would do, like what you would want to happen? I'm going to do what I want. Okay, that's cool. <laughs> is there Are there any surprises you would say in your lineup? Um, No, but I think there could be. I what think there's, there, what there's... kind of an answer is that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to commit to because I just – I'm I'm kind of, I'm blending reality and what I would like, so I mean like because if I was just going full, full born here, and I would I would have a couple young youngsters on, in my lineup. But even just this past like the past two days, Nikita Chibrikov's, he's good. Oh, he's, he's okay, really <laughs> that's yeah that that would be a that would be a tad surprising if Chibrikov could just come over from the pond. And uh, find his way on an opening night roster. Hey, uh, hey, no, no doubt the stock is boing, way up yeah. for Chibrikov. Yeah, I, I don't really see him making the lineup to st- on opening day, but I don't think it's going to be very long. I think we, if there's one injury to one of those top guys, I think he's getting the call. It would be interesting to see who the top call up is going to be. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, we'll we'll find that out as training camp and preseason goes along. I would imagine, but. Going to be a fun year in the Moose. Going to be a fun year in the A. A lot of high-end talent and a lot of young talent going to be hitting the ice for the Moose here in Manitoba as well. So that's pretty exciting. But let's stick with the big club here, Tice. And we'll go up front first. And why don't we dive into our top six? Because I feel like at least there's, once again, a pretty solid delineation from the top six to the bottom six here in the city once again. But we'll see if we disagree on that. For me, Tice... I'm going power, power, power up on the top line to start. I think it's got the potential. I, I should say high, one of the highest scoring lines in the NHL. One of the best dominant. Uh, it depends how much they give up, but they're going to score a lot if they get put together. And um, I wouldn't mind seeing this. But for me, Tice, I go Mark Shifley centering Kyle Connor and Nikolai Ehlers. Surprisingly, we saw that for maybe what felt like 18 minutes last year. Like just there, there was, or I mean, even Dubois, Connor and Ehlers, Connor and Ehlers basically just don't get a chance to play together. And I'm just, I'm surprised. I'm surprised the team has been so reluctant to put them, you know, even late in games, right? Like chasing a lead to, to put those two on the, and just like, Hey, let's see what happens here. But I think with the way the lineup situated for the jets this year, there's going to be some major question marks in terms of what the youth can do. I would like to have some. I would like to have that, you know, in the back pocket. We're going to be just fine with our top line at the very least. 
whatever happens after that happens after that. But it's nice to know that your ace in the hole would be Shifley, Connor, Ehlers. So I would start the season with those three on the same line. And then after that, I'm going Gabe Velarde down the middle. I've made it pretty clear that I don't think Cole Perfetti's a center. I, I'm, if they want to try it, I'm okay with it. I'm just, uh, and I'll happily be proven wrong. I just don't think, I don't think it's in the cards for him. I don't think he's going to last a season if he plays center. And I don't think his game is best suited down the middle. Um, so I got Velarde down the middle with Cole Perfetti. And if you got two youngsters up in the top six, you better put a vet that knows his game beside them. And who better than El Nino? So for me, it's Niederreiter, Velarde, and Perfetti rounding out line two. How about you, Tyson? I went a little bit different. Nice. So for my top line, I'm going with Cal Connor, Mark Shifley. I think that's just locked in. I think that duo is just locked in to start the season, right? Like you'd have to imagine that those two guys are going to be playing together. Yeah, I mean, if we're going by past precedents, yeah, they don't play with anyone else. And one of the problems that I had that you know I think a lot of people have with that those two as a duo is just you know they're not the most physical group. Mark Shifley has shown that he could be an imposing force physically when he really commits to it, like he did early last season. But we'll see if he you know if if that's a consistent theme this year. But I'm gonna get a guy who can go into the corners, and like you said, I. The weather patterns are showing up this year. Look, it oh. sounds like we're gonna. It sounds like we're getting another El Nino winter this winter. And the warm front. I got Nino on the top line, and I think that he's just he just does everything right. He's just a, a perfect. He's just a perfect complement in a top six. Like he really is. He's just that was such a good move by Chevy to get him, and really like that price is pretty. That's a pretty solid price to get him at on multiple years too, not just a rental. Um, and then after that. This is my sec- second line on paper, but I think that the Jets, and I'm kind of going to go in the same area, I think the third line and second line are going to get pretty similar minutes this year. And I think that's because Adam Lowry line is going to take some stronger responsibilities on the defensive side, spread, like just throughout the game, and that just makes sense, right? Like you want to sh- kind of shelter Perfetti, Velarde as they kind of get acclimated to this to each other and learn the way, like, learn each other, and then that way you can kind of let that line feast, right? Because the Lowry line, even if they're going up against third-line competition, they're not really going to sco- outscore who they're playing against. So it's nice to just give have that extra advantage on teams. So I went Nick Ehlers, Cole Perfetti, and Gabe Velarde. I couldn't really decide who I wanted at center. I'm going to try go with Perfetti just because of the IQ. I think is a, a not, not no knock on gave Velarde's IQ at all. He's also a very heady player, but I just think Cole Perfetti's got, he's in that upper echelon of hockey IQ, like similar to, I might not go that, that far, but he plays a similar game to Mitch Marner in a way. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Where does Mitch Marner play? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's my thing. It's like, I, I have no problem with Perfetti's game whatsoever. It's just, I, like, I think he's a winger. But don't like you think Marner could play center? Not, I mean, maybe, but I mean, you're talking about taking a, you know, if you listen to our bold predictions, an MVP off the wing, <laughs> right? Like, and he finished, actually, he, you know, surprisingly, he was a top three Selkie player last year. Um, 
I, yeah, I mean, look, and, and I, I think Profetti has a lot of that in his game. I, I, I just, I just don't see it. Like, I mean, the body build, the body type. He's not the quickest, fastest guy out there, and he's he struggled to play sixty plus games. And I mean, I know he was you know coming in midway through, but like he's missed twenty plus games in each of his past two seasons on the wing. I just don't. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. Again. We'll be more than happy to eat a ton of crow if he comes out and is a stud for the Jets down the middle. But to me, to me, Velarde's the guy. It's interesting though because I had as a talking point here, I kind of assumed you would have Ehlers off of the top line too. But I was going to say, should the Jets swap Ehlers and Nino and have a little more balanced attack there? You obviously feel that way <laughs> because that's exactly what you did, and I don't have a problem with that. Like I mean, to have the defensive consciousness of Nino with Kyle Connor on the other side, it makes a lot of sense. The I honestly think the only reason I don't like it as much is because I worry that that means Nick Ehlers gets 16 minutes a game again yeah, this season. That's fair. But at the same time, who else is better suited to carry a line on his own? It's it's Nick Ehlers. Like, this is the kind of poison with Nick Ehlers is that he's almost it's like he's too effective for his own good. And the, the coaching staff is, well, just get him to carry his own line, but he's just not going to play as much. So, yeah, I, I don't know what the right answer is there. You can go either way, I think. But um, I'm intrigued to see how the Jets coaching staff starts the year off. If, if they go with what they've done forever and give Ehlers secondary tertiary minutes, or if it's just full steam ahead, who cares? <laughs> who cares about our own end for a little bit? Let's try to outscore the opposition and see what happens after that. Um, but I mean, interesting too, that we all pick the same six players, uh, for the Jets top six, which then leads us to the bottom six. And I, I think we're going to be pretty similar here too, Tice. Um, and really that no matter which option the Jets go with, I love their third line this year. Their third line is going to be good and, and they can do a whole bunch of different things if they want. I mean, one of the things too, that I saw is. Like you want a supercharged third line, put Nino Niederreiter on that line with Adam Lowry. Like that, that's an option the Jets can go with too. I did not though. Um, I have Lowry centering, I guess the two newcomers, Alex Ayafalo and Vlad Domestikov. I, I like I like the mix between those three there. And yeah, again, like like the Jets have been wont to do. That's a lot of defensive consciousness on that third line there. And you're gonna feel just fine with throwing those three out against the uh either the best or the second best that the opposition has to offer. Fourth line for me, I mean, the easy decision is having Morgan Barrett and Mason Appleton on that fourth line. Fourth line center, I'll I'll give the slight edge to Rasmus Kupari just because I think there's a little more offensive potential there. But I'm 100% open to that being just a straight-up Gus versus Kupari battle. Battle Royale, cage match, whoever whoever earns it in the preseason gets that spot. And the other one is the uh, extra forward for the Jets to start the year. Yeah, we, we have the exact same bottom six. Nice. I, I just, All right. <laughs> I literally put Gus slash Kupari as my fourth line center because I think I agree. I, I don't really see um, like a Janser taking one of these bottom six spots. I think there's those roles are pretty, pretty solidified now. Could a guy have a Mikey Asimont-like camp and kind of turn some heads and become that first call-up? Totally. I definitely could see something like that happening. I just I just think that the bottom six is really locked in. I, the one thing I really grappled with, actually, was I kind of wanted to move Morgan Barron onto that third line because I think there's a the potential that he could take a jump. 
I love Morgan Barron's game. Like I, yeah. I, I, I count he, count me. It's not it's not his fault. He's on the fourth line to be honest. Yeah, and he, and he had some really bad luck last year too. Like that was another thing. He just stuff just wasn't going his way in in the scoring department at least last season. Then I think you know you kind of get a revert back to the mean plus a little bit of progression in his game. I think he could you know he could be a fifteen goal scorer in that bottom six. Fifteen. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's got yeah I don't. Like, I don't have much of an argument. Just sure, why not? <laughs> let's make it happen. Uh, let's go to the defense now, Tice. And again, I. I mean, it's almost like the debate isn't who should, who should be partnered with who. It's just how is this the logjam yet again? Like, how are we doing this for a second straight year? It's just crazy. Um, for me, it's pretty simple. Morrissey Demello worked all last year. Probably work all again this year. So let's roll with those two as the Jets' top pair. I mean, they're the two most dependable defensemen that this team has to offer. So no problem with me giving them 25 minutes a night. Not much um, for me, too. I have the same thing. I think this would be the only potential change or differences here. But I actually think the second pair is pretty easy as well. And I'd be, I'll be disappointed if it's not this. Uh, but it, it should be Dylan Sandberg and Neil Pionk as this team's second pair. You've like Sandberg's had enough time. He's kind of slowly worked his way up. Let's go. Like let, let's let's give the kid a little bit of opportunity, responsibility, a confidence boost, right? Start the year on the second pair. I think that's huge for a young guy. I, I think he's ready for it. I think, and I honestly, on top of it all, I, I think he's this team's second best left shot defenseman. So if that's the case, put him on the second pair. Yeah, I'm on the second pair too, and that I mean, like at some point you have to play your young defenseman. That's a, that's another part of it too. Like you have to play these guys. And, and, and for me, it's not even play them, but like actually play them. Yeah, you know what I no, mean. Yeah, not just like the 13 minutes on the third pair. Exactly. Weak competition. Like Dylan Sandberg has proved that he can take an elevated role and that he should be given more minutes in in tougher situations. It's just simple as that. Well, and. and I mean, look, he's he's 24. I don't know when his birthday is, but like 24 isn't young anymore in the NHL all that much. Like if, if you can't trust him at 24 to be a second pair guy, like what's the point? <laughs> so, I, yeah, I think he's ready. And even though Brendan Dillon is a solid D-man, what as an organization, what do you gain from him playing four more minutes a night than Sandberg? Like it's just you're just stalling guys. And that's, that's part of, that's why there's a log jam right now is because there's been the stalling of a lot of these young, younger defensemen coming up. And now we're seeing what happens when spots aren't given to guys when maybe they should have earned them. And yeah, now we're stuck. They're stuck. Yeah. There's, there's going to be either exits via trade or waivers. So, I mean, like that's the spot the jets have put themselves in. And again, I made this point before Tice, but, the Jets need to be an organization that looks at their roster and goes, tie goes to the youngster. Yeah. Like it's not the veteran, let's lean towards the vet. No, that you can't you can't do that. Like you gotta be drafted developed. And part of doing that is giving young guys an opportunity to go out there and play. Uh, so we both have the same top four. I mean, my third pair is kind of the same as as most, I would imagine, with a small caveat though. Um, I mean, look, Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt is a good third pair. It's expensive as hell, but it's a good third pair. But my caveat is that it's almost Dylan Schmidt Chisholm. 
I would love to see the Jets do a rotation between those three players where it's, you know, and however they want to go about it, be my guest. I would imagine it's more so Nate Schmidt than, than Brennan Dillon, but Nate Schmidt gets in a handful of games. Declan Chisholm gets a run full of games. Boom, boom, in, out, in, out. And I, I just think that's the best way to go about it as opposed to Chisholm just sitting as the seventh D-man all year. I, w- I would like to see the Jets, you know, over the course of 20 games, if you want to just do a straight-up 50-50 split, that, that sounds great with me, and that's a nice way to ease a young guy into the NHL level, having a veteran partner beside him. So that's kind of my top seven there. I guess the other p- point for me, Tyson, is I think the Jets are going to trade Logan Stanley, so he's not included in mine. Um, but I'm going to say the Jets carry eight defensemen this year, and we see Kepa Bianco stick with the team. And he he performed well last year. He's kind of earned it. Uh, so avoiding putting him on waivers and potentially losing him, I think the Jets have, in my case at least, Gustafson, Chisholm, and Kepa Bianco as the extras this year. So is this kind of just like? Do you think this is just going to be? We put Logan Stanley on waivers and cut our losses. No, I think they trade him. Hopefully, I just feel like I, I think they trade. I, I mean, done by now though, like it's really not that consequential of a trade. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Tyson. Like, <laughs> I thought this would have been done a year and a half ago. Yeah. So it's like yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't think, to me at least, like Stanley. I think Stanley has enough value that you can get a mid-round pick for him. Again, like it's not going to be an earth-shattering move, but like. But the, I, the, I don't think I don't think he's like the seventh best defenseman on ever. Like I think there's some teams out there, probably some okay teams, that are like he could be our sixth guy. We'll take a chance on him. I just I just wonder why it hasn't happened yet. It's and we were kind of we, like we were talking a little bit earlier too about um, just how there's all these rumors going around, like with Ottawa and Pinto, Vancouver is apparently trying to make a move and stuff, and it's like. You know, these GMs had a whole offseason to, to make <laughs> trades and they wait like one day before trading. I'm like, oh, oh no, we got yeah. to fix this. Our roster's screwed. Did you guys leave your phones at home and like go to the cabin? Like, it's just mind boggling. <laughs> but yeah, like for the, the decor, I have the same thing. I think I, I Chisholm needs to have a chance and it just sucks that Hainala can't. You know, like at this point, he's kind of just an afterthought. Oh, he, he is a complete afterthought. Yeah. And okay. yeah, this is to the Jets. Like they, they, they did this to themselves, but like he's, I, I don't even think he's in the picture, Tyson. Like it's I, just, I he's going to the moose, either a trade or the moose. But I, I doubt he has, I, I don't think he has any trade value around the NHL right now. I think he's, it sounds bad, but he might be going the vessel lining route. Really, because yeah, I, I just think something's up there, and like it's there's no way you're what was he? You're the 14th pick, 17th pick, uh, some way. Yes. I mean, I think he was a little bit later, but regardless, top 20 pick, your yeah. top 20 pick is just gone. That you traded on, you know, a guy who's a top four defenseman, bulking presence too, and Truba, and Kind of really, all you got was Pionk for him. He kind of just downgraded for nothing, and yeah, like you mentioned, that was that was to their own detriment. Like this whole Hanola situation has been, and and like I, I've said many times, you you and I both I think are aligned on this. We're not the biggest Billy Hanola fans. Yeah. We have to see what 
what you have in a guy. People can be wrong about stuff. Like we're wrong all the time. <laughs> it's, yeah. You just got to like at least give them some sort of legitimate playing time instead of six games and then back to the minors, back to the press box. It's just, I don't know. That, that That's one of the biggest question marks, I think. This ownership group has really, really kind of pooched, pooched it on, to be honest. Is this whole draft tech and his development? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 tough to argue against that, to be honest. And then my 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 hope my my hope or fear is just like don't don't do this again. Like we can, and that's not even bringing up losing Kovacevic for nothing last year, right? Um, I, I will say though, if that's one of your worst things, you've done a pretty solid job overall. But still, still, like, still, you still yeah, have to point out the the downfalls in this in this group too. Yeah. Nope, no doubt about that. Um, and, and finally, Tyson, I, I, I know this might be controversial as well, but I'm I'm putting Connor Hellebuck between the pipes for game one. I don't care what anybody oh. says. I'll do oh it. My gosh, maybe even game one and two? I'm just saying, you know, like, I, I, I know you got a Stanley Cup winner waiting in the wings, but... <laughs> <laughs> he beat him. He, he out-dueled them in the playoffs. Yeah, well, uh, outdueled is an interesting yeah, word. Was, he, what I would, how I would describe that Tyson is, he earned more wins than Connor Hellebuck did. Yeah. <laughs> the the real win was that he didn't get too seriously hurt in that season. Yeah, yeah. So Hellebuck versus Wada start the year. I'll be intrigued to see what the numbers are in starts, like going into January at least. I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, they just. Multiple coaches, multiple years, they've run Hellebuck into the ground. We'll see if uh, the team tries to reverse that a little bit with the contract status hanging in the balance as well. Uh, But that will do it for our line combinations and predictions for this upcoming season. And we'll get our first official glimpse of this when training camp gets started later this week. So we'll get into that in our final episode a little bit later on. Uh, But quickly, Tice. Should touch on the major story in, in the hockey world right now. And I think one of the major, it should be at least one of the major stories in all of sports right now. But yeah, your bold prediction hits Mike Papcock. And how crazy is that? We, we, you and me have said this a bunch, but how just, just think of the absurdity of what I'm about to say. Mike Babcock does not coach a single practice with the Columbus Blue Jackets <laughs> and is fired before even hitting the ice with the team. A record of 0 0 and 0. And it's, I, I know it's crazy. Like, just the, the whole th- the situation, all that. Um, and it, there's a part of me that's like, who could have seen this coming? Well, I mean, everybody could have seen this coming because this it's just been his behavior his entire coaching career. But still, like, to not even get a game in is just, this is monumental incompetence from the Blue Jackets franchise as a whole. Um, and you know, we, I I think there needs to be a little bit of, let's just like see what the official story is before making like specific comments. I'm 100% on board though, with, with Babcock being gone from what we already know might end up being a lot worse than, than kind of what it's being portrayed right now. Um, but it's pretty wild too, that, you know, management and the front office is, is still intact after this. Especially when Yarmo Kekalainen enters the year, you know, kind of on thin ice, hiring yet another coach, and you put your reputation on the line for the guy, and he screws you before the season even gets underway. 
Um, kind of leads me to believe maybe that ownership might have had a or, or somebody up above Kekalainen had a say in uh, Mike Babcock being the uh, the choice for head coach here. Um, but what a wild, wild story. I guess the only good news of this, Tyson, is we don't have to worry about Mike Babcock being in the NHL anymore. <laughs> so at least one positive thing came out of this. <laughs> this is, I mean, this is just, and this just goes to show you that stuff like this has been happening. Like if you're as bad as Mike Babcock has been the last couple of years, you're crazy if you think that this that he's the only guy that's done maybe not this exact sort of thing, but something similar and an abuse of power. But yeah, like this is, and I, this is such a real, this is a real black mark on the Blue Jackets organization as a whole. Like maybe, maybe the scandal's not as crazy as some of the others that we've seen over the past couple of years in terms of like actual severity of, you know, and legitimate crimes being committed. But this is just negligence. It's, it's just, it's so self-inflicted, right? Like there were, there was, yeah. think of all, and the funny thing is the guy that's going to be the head coach right now in Columbus is, is, probably the guy they should have went with to start yeah. like i mean like giving pascal vincent a chance i like it might end up working out just fine for them they just went about it in the absolute worst way possible but you just can't convince like some of the names that are out there some of the bright minds in hockey these days and you recycle a guy that treated his players like crap in every stop that he went to and to be honest only one when he had legendary talent at his disposal anyways i just i've never been a big babcock fan so i yeah, this none of this is overly surprising. Um, Vincent's presser, introductory presser, was real. Like it was a guy who's like, "I'm coming in, and we gotta, we, everyone, let's just calm down, let's get together, let's take a breath, and let's just move, let's move forward, let's put this behind us as a team, and let's let's build together as a, as a group now." And that's like, like what you have to do. Like this one thing that I think is really not being talked about enough here is. I think this severely damages the locker room, and I because I think that there's a, because of what like Jenner and Goudreau yeah. said slash did yeah. But if you're the young players and your cap, you're supposed to look up. And I'm not saying that these guys aren't good leaders because I'm sure that they are good leaders, but it just creates a distrust right away in the locker room where it's like, and it could be a nothing burger too. I, yeah, I'm gonna disagree. I'm gonna disagree with you there, Tyson. For the sole reason being that there's a chance, I mean, like, and we don't totally know how, like, if it was in front of the entire team and, like, different, I mean, there was a clear invasion of privacy, abuse of power, all that stuff. But, like, I think there's a chance that, like, I mean, one, Boone Jenner's put in an impossible spot by the team where it's like, hey, we need you to come out and say, and there's a chance that, like, whatever happened to him, it was like, it was, it was fine. Like, I didn't mind it. But like he may, might not have known what happened with some of the younger guys, you know what I mean? So, yeah. I'll 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 give them the benefit of the doubt for now, and I think it, this is more so just a case of like the black cloud leaves the room and they can just kind of move forward on this. Yeah, no, that's that's fair, and we that's the thing we really don't know exactly what the, the full extent to it. One thing that's one of the things that surprised me though too was that Yarmo Kekalainen and said today that Babcock did the same thing to him. When they when they first met each other, and it was and he didn't have a problem with it either. He thought it was just, you know, he just wanted to see my family or whatever. But it's like, I would be what a little is wrong weird. with this guy. I'd be a little weirded out if I was hiring someone and they said to me, "Hey, can I like see your family?" No, like like let me, like just <laughs> yeah like or you know, I mean not even just like hey, can I go through your phone? Yeah, <laughs> like 
What is wrong with you? That's not how boss. Yeah, like this is not either way. It's just it's so weird. It's like the just like the, how how you actually think that's normal to to do something like it's just so bizarre. It's so bizarre. Um, I think the NHL is better off for it now that Babcock's out of the picture. But it again shines a light on the fact that it's the old boys club, right? Like I mean, these guys they they can't help themselves in terms of. And to a lesser extent, Bill Peters in the dub, right? Like he gets That's crazy, like right, like it's just it's what these guys do. And there was the meeting with Quenville and, and Stan Bowman with the um, at, at the at the GM meetings a couple weeks back. They're not going to learn. It's going to happen again. Oh, and for, um, and with those two guys, it seems like they're just waiting. They're like, okay, well, things are a little too hot right now. Like there's too much stuff going on. We got to wait till kind of smooth these things out and then you guys can come back like it's it's it seems like coordinated almost not in like a conspiracy way but it's like let's get these guys back in the league in the league they they, they serve their yeah. time and I, that's just a backwards way of thinking of and of course everyone deserves second chances like there there is people can change but you have to show that you have legitimately you know made improvements in your life and changed the way yeah. that you act and change how you treat people and these guys your, aren't doing that. To your point, Tyson, in Babcock's, you know, post-resignation remarks, did not apologize once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did not acknowledge the players or anything like that. Just, I will be a distraction, so it's over. Right? Like, it, he just doesn't get it. Never well. Good riddance. Well, why don't we cap it off there? <laughs> on that on, on, on that positive note. Um, that'll do it for the episode. And, uh, yeah, we'll get back at it to uh, to close out the week. Some actual training camp to get into. Exciting stuff, Tyson. We'll get lines, combos, all that. Did you ever do the beep test, by the way? Yeah. Do you remember what you, what, you, what you did? Did you throw up? No. I'm just a su- superior athlete to you. Yeah, I definitely threw up. Um, <laughs> I, did well, med- I did it in med. I did it in The problem was I did it in medicine when I was in medicine hat. Um and Darren Helm was in like my my beep oh. test heat. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, I gotta go toe to toe with like the top dog, right? Like, cause he's like the captain, the like draft pick, all that stuff. That uh, I should not have went toe to toe. Do you remember what <laughs> because, level you got to? I think it was ten. I think ten. That's not, I think it was like like I I know it was like before where I was like this is not gonna end well. Like I'm in big. I knew I was in big trouble like really early. But I think I think I made it. Like I wasn't the last. I wasn't the first one. That was the, like the main thing. Was like, <laughs> I got, I, I, like I will. First one. I will <laughs> die. I will be carted out here before somebody else. <laughs> like will, before I'm the first one done. I will puke and move so I'm not the first one done. Like I, they they can try and pull me off, and I'm not leaving till I'm out passed out. But I yeah, I, I do. Oh, sorry. I think I, just, I I do remember like getting the. Like the claps as I left, and it was like clap, clap, clap. Good job. <laughs> I think in grade, like in high school, I got to eleven. Erroneous. <laughs> and I, I'm gonna say, I believe this. you. Jay McClement actually was sixth in Selkie voting. <laughs> in- <laughs> <That's> hilarious. <laughs> oh, Jay McClement, that's a good one. St. Louis, Pittsburgh, Pukdoku, by the way. Jay McClement would work for that. I don't know where else he played. Um, but yeah, anyways, hope uh, better luck. And I think they'll have much better luck than we had 
at the beep test and whatever else they do nowadays for training camp physicals and fitness tests and all that. Uh, but we'll break it all down for you guys when we get back at it to close out the week on Friday. Until then, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki with us once again. More training camp breakdown when we get back at it Friday morning. Until then, enjoy your week. Stay safe and have fun, everybody. Peace.